Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Hey, well, welcome to church. My name is Pastor Amrita, and it feels good in here, doesn't it? Feels good. Church is not boring. I mean, it is just full of life, and I am happy to see you here. And wherever you're at this morning, I want you to know that God can reach you, and he can touch you. And I'm really excited to preach in uh, Ephesians. We're in our summer reading series. How many of you love doing this every summer? We go through a book of the Bible, if you're new here. And this summer, we are going through the book of Ephesians. And if you haven't read Ephesians, it is and can be a life changing and life-altering book of the Bible. So I'm really excited, and when I get really excited, I kind of preach in one register. And so I'm trying to work on some dynamics in my preaching. And so um, you guys can help me out, though, because we preached to a camera for a year, and so I need you to laugh if things are funny. Even if they're not, would you laugh anyway? And uh, would you just yell or holler or say amen? Because that does, like Pastor Pretty Ben always says, it does actually help us be great pastors or cry. I'm, I'm a loud person. I'm also a crier. So whatever you got to do, just express it. It's okay. You can express that here in church this morning. And last week, Pastor Pretty Ben, he preached the first 14 verses of chapter 1 of Ephesians. And we learned last week as followers of Jesus that we have been brought into a spiritual family. We have brought it, been brought into the family of God where we can get every spiritual blessing that God has to offer. It's not something that we earn. It's not something that we attain. You can't be good enough or bad enough to receive these blessings. It is a free gift from Jesus. Can I get an amen? And so this, today we're going to pick up, and I am going to preach the last half of chapter 1, and we are going to pick up in verse 15. I'm really excited about what God wants to do today. Verse 15 says this, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Wait a minute. Is Paul talking about Kalos Church? Because I feel this way as a pastor. You guys love God. You love each other. I just sort of feel like I know how he feels except that I'm not in prison and writing this letter. Um, for, so we'll pick up in verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. I am so moved by the fact that we can know God better. The creator of the universe wants to know you and be known by you. But the reality is, is that we don't often want to know more of who God is. Excuse me. We don't often know, want to know. We don't often really comprehend that this is one of the most incredible opportunities that we have in our spiritual life. Is that we can know God better. And so I want to preach about that today. And I want us to try to understand and unpack and get to the root of why our hunger and our appetite for God sometimes stop. And we stop growing. Let me ask you this question. Have you stopped growing in your faith, in your life with God? Have you stopped? When's the last time you had a longing 
to know God better. A true longing to know him. Even as a pastor, to be honest, I get stuck in a rut. I'm not super spiritual all the time. I sing the same songs over again. I'll pray the same prayers. But the reality is, is that I even get stuck. And if I'm not careful, I'll stop growing. There's a phrase or an old saying that if you stop growing, you don't just stay the same. You go backwards, right? So God is inviting us to know him more and to continue to grow. Now, I'm about to blow some of your minds, okay? I used to play basketball in high school, okay? This four foot ten right here, I was small, but I was scrappy. Any other basketball players out there scrappy? Come on! You know what I mean. We have to be scrappy because we're short, okay? And so I, my senior year was trying to decide if I should continue playing that season or not because I had played with my team since I was in, like, fifth grade. And so I was trying to figure it out. I didn't really know if I wanted to play. But me and my friends, we had some glory days. We had some incredible – do you guys want to see some of my, my basketball glory days? Okay, let me just show you this clip right here. I took the steal all the way down the court, and I dunked it. That wasn't me. You're right. Some of you are like, I'm onto you. That girl is not 4 foot 10. That is not me. But when I think about my basketball glory days, that's what I think about. That, that's the picture that comes to my mind. So my senior year, I come to my senior year. I had played basketball enough, and I was just kind of bored, if I'm honest. I was just bored with it. And my parents were like, well, you should finish out this season with your team. You've been playing with this team forever. And I was like, yeah, but I'm bored. I don't really want to practice. I don't really want to do anything. It takes a lot of work. It feels like basketball is the longest season of the year. So I just didn't know what to do. And so I just had to kind of get through it. I wasn't going to grow. I wasn't going to get better. I just wanted to get through it. And so I have this clip of what it felt like my senior year to just sort of get through this season. See if you can, see if you can find me. There I am. Do you see me? Yeah, so some of that's how I felt. I was just laying on the floor, and everybody was just walking around me, playing around me. And to be really honest, some of us feel this way in our faith. We stop growing. We're bored. We don't really care anymore. It takes a lot of energy to grow in our spiritual lives with God. And so we have to ask ourselves, why do we stop growing? How is it that we can taste and see that the Lord is good? He's touched our lives but we stop. What is happening here? Well, I think that we can boil it down to three major things. It's not an exhaustive list, but three major reasons why I believe we stop growing in our faith, in our life with God. And the first one is this, we're bored. Like I was bored with basketball. We're bored. We see faith as a duty, as things to check off a list. I went to church twice a month. I read my Bible in a year. I worship. I pray a little bit. I check, check, check. We just see it as something to check off our list. We go, we just see it as spiritual duties. And some of us, we're just like, you know, Christianity, church is a little bit old school. My grandma used to go, my mom used to go, or whatever. But today in our world is church, attending church, reading my Bible. Is it really relevant anymore? We're just kind of bored. And so we stop growing. The second reason I think that we stop growing is that we're hurt. 
Many of us have been hurt deeply, wounded deeply by the church, by leaders in the church, by Christian people who have represented the things of God so poorly. Some of you would say, Amrita, I have been spiritually manipulated with scriptures. I've been spiritually abused. And I just want you to know that I have so much grace and compassion for those of you that are sitting here today and would say, I, I have been through some church hurt. I understand. But if we're not careful... We decide, well, I don't want to know anything more about it because my last association with church was that painful experience that I had. So we stop growing. And the third reason I think that we stop growing is that we get distracted. There is so much going on in the world, and we just get distracted. And if we're honest, growing in our faith, growing in our spirituality, it actually takes effort. It takes time. We have to be intentional. There are a lot of things that are popping up right now that we don't have to be very intentional about. When I open my phone in the morning, I have like five text messages, three new headlines, and then the scripture of the day. Anybody else look at your phone in the mornings and that's what you see pops up? It's a whole bunch of stuff that's really distracting before you even get to to the scriptures before you even acknowledge that you're awake and God has given you breath in your lungs for another day. These are causes for why we stop growing in our pursuit of Jesus. But today, I am joining Paul in this prayer that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation to what? To know God more. To know him more. And he uses the word spirit here because the scriptures are more than just intellectual ideas. There's something here the spirit of God allows us to have more than just facts and knowledge and information about God. Actually, the word knowledge in this scripture, it actually is a Greek word that I'm, I'm going to say poorly because I am not Greek if you have not noticed. Um, But the Greek word is called epignosis. Everybody say epignosis. Epignosis. It refers to experiential knowledge, not just information about God. So here we see that it's not just, Paul didn't just say you need knowledge and wisdom. You need the spirit of knowledge and wisdom. You need to begin to have an experience with God, experience with God's people. It doesn't just mean that it's all emotional, but it might be. It means that we can have an experience with who he is. You know, we know for a fact, there's things that we know for a fact. We know Pastor Pradeepin has like 17 jean jackets. We know that as a fact. But when he puts on a jean jacket, something magical happens. And the guy just becomes jolly. And he just transforms into this jean jacket hunk, okay? And I tell you what, it's like this, I'm having this experience. Are we like over the jean jacket jokes by now? Like you just tell me if you need more. Uh, you, might have to w- you might have to wait till the next sermon for the next one. But I tell you what, we can know facts. Some of you are sitting here and you're cerebral people. You really kind of operate in that cerebral realm. You love facts. You love knowledge. You love information. And I love God because he loves that too. And he wired you to be a cerebral person. But even for those of us who are cerebral, God is saying, you need to have an experience with who I am. You need to have an experience with God's people. Because it's a different, you're having all kinds of experiences over here. You need to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know me more. So today I want to talk about three areas that Paul prays, he prays this for us, that we would grow in. And the first one is this. Number one, overflow with hope. Verse 18 says, I pray 
that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Listen, church, we are in a cultural moment in our society where we are being taken by a movement of despair, a movement of darkness. It's something that we're starting to crave. Bad news, depressing news, horrible thing. What is the next horrible thing that is happening or going to happen? And if we're not careful, even those of us that are followers of Jesus who carry hope in our hearts, we will be swept into this cultural movement of despair. I want to introduce to you a term. We've talked about it a little bit here at Kalos Church, but there is a term called doom scrolling. Doom scrolling. How many of you know what doom scrolling is or doom surfing? Some of you know. I'm going to read the definition for you here today. What is doomsday scrolling or doomsday surfing? Let me read this to you. It refers to the tendency to continue to surf or scroll through bad news. Even though that news is saddening or depressing, many people are finding themselves continuously reading bad news about COVID-19 without being able to stop, even sacrificing their crucial sleep or time working. The term has been gaining momentum lately. The Los Angeles Times has included it in, the recent, in a recent article about how coronavirus has introduced a new lexicon of words in our daily lives. There's a doctor in India, he says, it becomes a behavioral addiction. Not only positive news gives you a dopamine high, but negative news also does something similar. So it becomes a self-sustaining activity on the lines of any chemical addiction. In 2020, the Oxford Dictionary actually named doom scrolling one of the most popular words of 2020, and they added it into the dictionary. The official dictionary now includes the word doom scrolling. How wild is that? It's so crazy. Now, I'm not talking about doom scrolling or, or knowing about what's going on in the world. Like, we need to know what's happening in the world. We don't want to be in denial. We need to be knowledgeable. I read that doom scrolling can also be kind of like, like driving by a car accident and not being able to take your eyes off the car accident. Because there is something in us that, that is drawn out compassion and grace and love and hope that we want to help people that are going through really disastrous and tragic things, right? So not all of those things are bad. But we have to be careful because doom scrolling, just being addicted, having this dopamine hit every time of bad news, it will steal our hope. And Paul is saying you need to be full of hope. You know, uh, Pastor Pradeepan likes to doom scroll a little bit. And he, 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 he's had healthy moments and unhealthy moments. Love you, babe. And uh, there's these times that he, he comes in the house and I'm like, he's like, Amrita, want to know something? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, the world is on fire. And I'm like, why are you so excited to tell me awful news? Like, should I be concerned? And I'm like, babe, you got to stop telling me because people like me, I will spiral. I'm like, oh, my gosh, the world is on fire. What's going to happen? My kids, the future, all this stuff. And I'm a believer. And so we just begin to spiral if we're not careful. And so Pradeepan will come into our house and his eyes are this big. And I'm like, you just read something horrible, didn't you? And he's like, maybe let's just talk about how pretty you are. You know, he's just like trying not to tell me. But I believe that if we're not careful, hope will be destroyed and stolen by the dopamine hits of disaster and despair. This is the cultural moment and time that we're in if we are not careful. Some of us are building cynicism and pessimism over time. We are accumulating despair. 
Wouldn't you say that before 2020, you had a different level of despair than you do today, if you're honest with yourself? That cultural movement is something that we really struggle to stay away from. And, and, and I want to look at this really carefully. When you close your eyes to hope, you open your eyes to darkness. Now, I want to I ask you this question. How many of you would say, or, or what would you say is the most famous, most common scripture in the Bible? What would you say it is? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It is the greatest hope, the biggest, most wonderful news the world has ever encountered. John 3.16, do you know three verses later something really interesting happens? John 3.19 says this, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Now, why on earth, after we've just heard the greatest news in the world, would we prefer, would we lean into darkness over light? Well, there's a reason. In verse 20, it says this, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. I think we've just gotten to the root of the problem. We just got to the root of why we love the dopamine hits of doom scrolling. We got to the root of why our culture is moving in this direction. And the reason is, is that if we step into the light and we allow the light of God to shine down on us, it will expose our sin. It will expose our pain. It will cause us to have to deal with ourselves. So what do we do? Well, instead of dealing with myself in my own darkness, I would rather focus on all the other darkness and all the other disaster going on. In fact, it makes me feel better because I compare it to that and mine doesn't feel quite as bad. But inside, it's eating you alive. And so we avoid the light and we lean in to darkness. Are you avoiding the problems of your own heart by habitually fixating on the problems of the world? Paul says, I pray, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you could see the hope to which he has called you. Now, come on, all of you 90s church kids, will you sing this song with me? Open the eyes of my heart. Wow, you guys know it. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. This is what Paul prays, that the eyes of your heart would be opened. You know that the word hope in this scripture in Ephesians, it can, in Ephesians, in the New Testament, often when we talk about the word hope, it actually can translate into the word confidence. Everybody say confidence. Confidence. And so what, this is what happens. We can put, when we step into the light, and that light shines down in our deepest, darkest struggle and pain and sin. When, we, when that light shines down, we can be confident that the love of Jesus will permeate our whole being. And it will make us whole. And it will heal us. And we will become healed and whole disciples and followers of Jesus. This is the hope to which he has called us. Amen. To be healed, to be whole, to step into light, to not be moved by a cultural wind of despair, but to be people of hope. And not only are we supposed to walk in that confidence and that hope, but we are supposed to give it to those around us. How can we give, though, what we have not yet received? 
So we must do that work first. The people of God who see all the despair of the world and enter into the light of Jesus, I believe, can walk in true hope. We are not created to be comfortable in the darkness. An addiction to despair is the opposite of being people of hope. You know, um, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Preben and I got a message from some of our friends. And they just said, hey, you guys, you know what? We know that you guys have been going through a hard time and you were online for a whole year leading a church. And you had some stuff going on at your home and with your kids and all this stuff. And we just wanted to tell you that, that we love you. And they just began to speak life into us. We love you. That your, your city needs your church. Your church needs you. You're good pastors. You have not failed. God is doing something beautiful. And then they did this. They said, you know what? We set aside some money in our budget. And we want to, to, to bless you with a vacation. You see, this is what happens. When people of hope, we're not just supposed to be people of hope who just watch the world get destroyed and is on fire and we're just hope 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 over here no as people of God we step into the despair and we bring hope and we speak light and I tell you what if you need to enter into someone's despair you got somebody sitting next to you you know someone that's at home in your family and you need to step into their despair and step into their darkness I tell you what generosity like our friends just gave to us that will bring life into their darkness, that will bring hope into their world. And you can begin to share the confident hope to which you were called and which they are called as well. Amen. So Paul prays that we would overflow with hope. Number two, Paul prays that we would know our worth. We would know our worth. I want to read this next scripture in the New Living Translation, and it says this. I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Much of understanding and getting to know Jesus and growing in your walk with him is to understand how he feels about you. What he sees when he looks at you. And do you know what he sees? He sees that you are worthy and that you are valuable. Do you remember in the story of the prodigal son? The father gives his inheritance to his greedy son. His son goes and squanders all the wealth, makes a bunch of mistakes. He comes back to his home in front of his father, hungry, poor, a mess, just completely betraying his whole family. He comes back and do you know what the father does? He just says, I'm so glad you're home. It doesn't matter the mistakes that you made. You are so worthy to me. You still carry value within you because you're my son. Not because of what you did with what I gave you. Just because you're my son, you are valuable. And this church is how the Lord feels about you. And we have to get this. And you're going to find out here in just a minute why. We are what God wants most and what he's most committed to. We are that which is nearest and dearest to his heart. John 15, 9 says, as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. God thinks highly of you. He probably thinks highly of you, more highly of you than you think highly of you. You know, my therapist, she says, Amritha, you got to be kind to yourself. Yes, here at Kalos Church, we believe in Jesus and we believe in good, godly counseling, therapy. We just get all that stigma away from that here. 
But I want to tell you something. She said to me, you need to be kind to yourself. And I thought, nobody ever said that to me. I have no idea what that means. So we dug a little deeper. And we found out that I often judged myself for not being perfect. For not living up to standards that no one else put on me that I put on myself. For not giving myself grace. For not giving myself some compassion. For not allowing myself to have some human experiences. I'm a pastor. And I have human experiences. But I thought I had to be spiritual all the time. No. I had to go through some stuff. I go through stuff. Pastor Preetman, we go through stuff. And we need to give ourselves grace and give ourselves compassion. Kindness to myself was not a spa treatment. Kindness to myself was understanding by the spirit of wisdom and revelation how worthy I am. And that there is value inside of me. And that is the same for you. Some of you say, I have never been able to really understand my value in the Lord. You need to. You need to. You were created to be loved by God. Here's the other reason why we have to understand this. But before I tell you that, I want to tell you this. You got to treat yourself well. You got to ask yourself, do I treat myself as though I am a loved and valuable and worthy person? My husband is someone that I love very much and very dearly. But I can't just tell him I love you, I love you, I love you, and then treat him poorly, right? It's, it, he sees it in how I treat him. I have this really, really bad habit of throwing things away. A few weeks ago, I threw away half our couch. Pastor Pradeepan was sick in bed with COVID. He comes out of the bedroom into the living room, and he goes, am I delirious or is half the couch gone? I was like, just don't worry about it, babe. Just go back to bed. I have this incessant need to throw out leftovers. Now, I like leftovers. Like the next day, I can eat leftovers. But my husband likes to let them sit there, and he's still excited after day two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's been a week. And he goes to the fridge, he's like so excited for these leftover enchiladas. And he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Amritha, did you eat my leftovers? I'm like, no, babe. You know what ate your leftovers? Bacteria. (laughs) Something disgusting. Ate it. I had to throw it out. You should thank me. And he's like, wait a minute. I love my leftovers. How many of you are like that? You're just like, I love leftovers. I got to eat them. And so I, I have to treat him, I have to look at him with worth and value, recognize that he loves something. And for me to love him and treat him kindly, I need to also respect that. After day eight, they're gone, okay? But it's amazing. It is amazing. Listen to this. That the God who possesses all things, he is most looking forward to eternity with you because he loves you that much. He died on the cross because he loves you that much. Now listen, I believe that Paul wrote this part of this letter for a reason so that we would understand our worth. We are that Jesus' inheritance. But he also did it because this church, the church of Ephesus, it was a church filled with diversity. People of different backgrounds and ethnicities. People who had different political opinions sitting right next to each other in church. People who thought very differently. And the reason that Paul says this, that you got to understand that you are is his inheritance, that you have worth and value, is because if you don't get it for yourself, you will treat the person next to you like they have no worth and value. We are seeing that in the church. We are seeing that in our society. We clearly are not understanding how wide and long and deep the love of Jesus is because of the hate 
that we are spewing on our neighbor and those around us. And when we do that, we got to check ourselves. And we got to say, you know what? I am not treating that person with value. What happens is we, 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 we crave sameness. I need to be at a church where everyone is like me. I need to be at a work where everyone is like me, thinks like me, is like me. Because then my insecurity, it doesn't create fear. And what fear does is it makes us look at that next person like a threat. And then we begin to do this thing called dehumanizing people. It all goes back to understanding by the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we are his inheritance. Though we are valuable and we are worthy and so is your neighbor. So is the person on the other side of your argument. I believe that if we truly got this, we would stop ghosting each other. We would stop canceling each other out. Christians are doing this in the name of, of upholding biblical values. It is so important that we understand this. The way you treat people is a reflection of how you view human worth, including your own. You treat people how you see people. If you're not kind to yourself, how will you be kind to those around you? Unity, listen, unity does not equal uniformity. In this church right now, we are under this banner of love and the love of Jesus. And we are unified in that. But we can celebrate our differences. We don't have to see them as a threat to one another. Amen? Amen. We are the prize, the reward Jesus most longs for. And the same is true about your neighbor. Spoiler alert, Ephesians 4, we're going to get to Ephesians 4 in a few weeks, says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Are you kind to yourself? Are you compassionate to yourself? Do you give yourself patience and grace? If you do that for yourself, you will do that for others. So Paul prays that we would overflow with hope. And he prays that we would know our worth. And number three is this. Paul prays that we would experience his power. Verse 18 to 23. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Paul wants the church, Paul wants followers of Jesus to experience power. What power? Resurrection power. There is not another God and not another deity that withholds in it resurrection power. And I want to tell you today that God is generous. He wants to give you generously and freely his resurrection power. He wants you to walk in it. He wants you to be able to lay hands on the sick and they get healed. He wants you to be able to pray over people. He wants you to be able to be overflowing with resources so that you can be generous. He wants you to walk in resurrection power. And maybe there are some of you here today, and there are some dead places in your life. I want you to know Jesus wants to resurrect it. If you're here this morning and you're sad, and you're struggling, and you're in despair, Jesus wants to resurrect you. 
He wants to love you. If you're in a, in a failing marriage, Jesus wants to resurrect it. He loves you. If you've been diagnosed with a disease, if you're going through a sickness, the doctors can't figure out what's going on, Jesus wants to give you resurrection power to heal you and make you hold the, the hope to which we are called. I believe that when we taste it, we will want to know more of it. We should never be content with powerless Christianity. And so today, if you're here and you say, you know, I, I have really stopped growing in my faith. I have really stopped growing in my spirituality. I want you to know that God wants to touch you. I remember in high school filling my minivan, my parents' minivan, with people and uh, people and uh, pe uh, peers. I'm having a hard time saying all the P words. Peers from my school, and I would put them in my minivan, and I would take them to church. And you know that they would surrender their lives to Jesus. Then they would go home, and they would tell their families, and their families would begin to experience the love of God. And when I saw that, it made me hungry for more. And when I was a young adult, I went through two years of just in having so much anxiety, I couldn't get out of bed. Two straight years, I couldn't remember what it was like to not have anxiety, and I cried out to God. And his resurrection power, I'm not making this up, healed me and freed me of anxiety in a moment, and it made me hungry for more. And four years ago, I moved to the state of Washington. We didn't have any money, but God told us to plant a church, so we moved to the most freaking expensive city in America to plant a church, and I saw God build his church. It was never about us, and it made me hungry for more. And five weeks ago, when Pastor Pradeepan and I had COVID, we were in bed so sick. And I don't know if you know this, but COVID gives you more than just physical symptoms. It messes with your mind. It messes with you. We, we found ourselves in really discouraging moments of despair, dark moments. It didn't sound like the two of us. And I went to bed one night when I had COVID, and I had a dream, a literal dream, where I went to a prayer meeting, and I kneeled down, and the Spirit of God filled me up, and it gave me passion and joy. It was like, it was, it was like a, a real dream where I actually, like, in my dream, I levitated, okay? But it was the Spirit of God, like, just filling me up with fire and passion, and I had peace in my heart, and I knew that we were going to be okay. And the next morning, Pastor Fred even said, what is up with you. We are sick. And I said, babe, you got to hear this dream I just had. Then I wanted more. The spirit of wisdom and revelation is accessible to you. Jesus wants you to grow in your faith. Don't stop growing. Keep going. I didn't even mean to rhyme in that moment. Over and over again, listen, Jesus, in this scripture at the end, Jesus is not something that we just check off our to-do list. He is not old school. He is the name above all names. He is the one who is seated in the heavenly realms by his Father. He is the one who distributes resurrection power into your life. So today I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning and you need hope, I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning and you say, I've never really been able to understand that I am God's inheritance, that I have worth, that I have value. I keep running into that over and over and over again because somebody spoke this horrible thing over me one day. Something terrible happened to me and it began to jeopardize your understanding of your worth. I want to pray for you today. 
And if you're sitting here saying, I have been living a powerless Christianity, it's been pretty boring, I want to pray for you. So if we would just, everyone just bow their heads and close your eyes, I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now for everyone sitting in this room. For those that need to be filled with hope, God, I pray that you would fill them. And I pray that this cultural moment, Lord Jesus, where we're, we're being swept into despair, oh God, it would cease right now. It would begin to turn the other direction because in this moment, you are filling Kalo's church with hope. The kind of hope that we begin to step into the darkness. We don't just deny it's there. We don't shove it under the rug. We step into it and we speak hope and life and truth in the midst of pain. And Lord, I pray for those who need to understand their worth and their identity. And I ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, by the Spirit of God, that you would reveal our value. And God, I pray that as you reveal to us how worthy we are to you, we would be able to see the person next to us who drives us crazy with value and worth and love. God, help us to treat ourselves and others better. And Lord, I pray that we would walk in power, that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, oh Lord, we would be filled with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing here at Kalos Church. I thank you that you are moving us. I thank you that we are actually being transformed by the Spirit of God. It's not just something we're talking about. It's something that is happening. And so Lord, we receive it. We receive you. And we love you, God. And we believe, like the song said, that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.